Welcome to episode 26 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. And today we have a special guest with us, Jessica Ma. Jessica, who studied computer science at Berkeley and is now the founder of Indinero.com. How do I pronounce that, Jessica? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Indinero.com. Indinero.com, okay. So, Jessica, I first came across uh, your, your blog, I think it was probably on Hacker News, which is pretty much how I come across everything these days. Um, and you had written a, a number of interesting blog posts about startups. And uh, what, was, what was really shocking is when I discovered how old you are and how much experience you've, you already have at this stage. So you are currently 17 years old. Is that right? No, I'm 19 now. <laughs> oh, 19. Oh, 19 years old. Okay. <laughs> 19. And you, are you still at Berkeley? Yeah. Um, I'm actually graduating next semester. Okay, great. And so you're, you're 19, and this is not your first startup, right? It's not, um, but um, it's my first serious startup. Okay. Because what I worked on in the past, like, yeah, I might make some money here and there, but I never took it seriously as a money generating business. Okay, well then you're already ahead of uh, me and Justin, so <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's that's great. So you're 19 now. You okay? Let's see. So you're 19. So what? How old were you when you uh, graduated high school? I finished high school when I was 15. Wow. Now, how'd you get through high school so quickly? Or school in general, I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, basically, I didn't like high school that much. I thought it was pretty redundant, pretty boring, and pretty much a waste of my time. And I think most most people on Hacker News going through high school would feel the same way. Right. Um, so I looked into a few options, and one was just going to an early college program. So you're accelerated, you think high school is stupid, they agree with you, so you apply, and then, um, and then I got in. So I went to this early college program for two years, uh-huh. and then after two years, um, my, my roommate in college wanted to come to Berkeley, and I was thinking of just going to like a typical private school on the East Coast, but... She somehow dragged me out to Berkeley, so here I am. Yeah. Okay. Before we move on to the startups, I just I'm just kind of curious about this. So, were you ahead in junior high and high school, or were you were you like say 14, 15 as a freshman in high school, and then you just got the hell out of there after two years? Um, I mean, I was a freshman technically when I was fourteen, okay. but I was in accelerated classes, and so I was taking like like stuff like a few grade levels beyond me. So kind of half right. and half. It's interesting, Jason, because we were talking about this last uh, episode, talking about yep. it's sort of like Derek Sivers, um, that, you know, there's no speed limits. Yeah, absolutely. That completely makes sense, actually. Yeah, did you happen to read that that post by, by, by Derek Sivers? Yeah, I read that, and I'm like, wow, if only, like, every every student in high school thought this way too, because then we could cut out all the crap that, that they bother teaching you. Yeah. Well, you could, people could focus on what they really want to focus on and get through this stuff that they're not interested in quickly and, and just move on. Otherwise, and just, you know, because the fact that it takes four years, no matter what you do, it sort of kills your momentum. You're just like, well, <laughs> okay. You just got to <laughs> play the game and hang out. And that's kind of frustrating. I think to a lot of people and well, 
I don't think it makes sense, and I don't think you have to to deal with it. And if you don't have to deal with it, then why put yourself through that that misery? Right. So the the accelerated uh, college program, accelerated high school program. Now, what was that exactly? Was that was it offered through a local community college or a local college or what? I've never even heard. Yeah. Of it. Um, so it's called Simon's Rock, the early college, okay. and. It's a really cool program because it's still the only dedicated early college in America, which sounds absolutely absurd to me um, right. because most people who take the path I did just go to community college right. and like you could do that. But I mean, you're not you're with people who are older than you. You're not in accelerated classes. Um, I mean, no offense to CCs, but last time I checked, they weren't meant for people who really want to to thrive academically. Right. Um, hmm. And on the East Coast, they're just not very well respected. So like, you're not gonna get into an Ivy League from a CC. But that's yeah. interesting as well. The aspect of being within your peer group is obviously gonna make life a lot more interesting on a daily basis. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. I mean, just think about like hanging out with 400 other 16 year olds who are in college with you early. Like, it's really cool and it's so much fun. And I'd highly recommend it to anyone who's smart and bored with high school. Where is Simon's Rock located? What city? Um, it's in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. So it's in the Berkshires. Lots of ski resorts nearby. It's really beautiful up there. Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you, g given that it's it's advanced and all the people there are smart, do you, do you sort of rise above the whole click thing, or does that still happen? The click. The, the kind of the, the sporty people versus the smart people, et cetera? Um, so you don't have differences in intelligence there, um, which is probably a good thing. So you don't have like the nerds and then like the jocks because there are no jocks and everyone's a nerd. <laughs> so it's like a really interesting social dynamic. If anything, it's divided on, um, I'd say on interest. So like you have the liberal artsy group and then you have the engineering mathy sciencey group of people um and and that's pretty much how it's divided but otherwise everyone is friends with everyone and it sounds like I didn't, the, it sounds like the federation <laughs> <laughs> a bit yeah, very good well that's that's really cool yeah we we, we talked about this the last um you know, episode, and uh, I, I think it's really interesting that you were able to get through it so quickly. Now, one thing you write about in some of your blog posts is your mom, that she's sort of like this voice of reason for you, and it's kind of interesting to, to, to almost to get her perspective on things uh, through your writing. What, what was her perspective on you saying yeah, that you wanted to do the accelerated learning? Was, was she shocked by that, or was she into it, or what is, what, how did she react to that? <laughs> yeah, she didn't think I was smart enough for it at first. <laughs> 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 That's great. Yeah, because it seems to be, it, I mean, it'd be interesting to hear more about this, but it almost appears through your writing that you're kind of the dreamer. You got these big ideas and big ambitions, and she's like, now, Jessica, you know, you really need to you know, get back down to earth here. And uh, am I right? Is that, is that is that kind of how this dynamic works between you two? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how it is. But I feel like half of the time she does it, it's mainly to question how much do I really want it? And if I really want it and I work on my, my, my convincing skills on her, then 
there's no reason why she wouldn't agree to it. I right. think that's a really good thing. It's, it's always great to have a rock in your life who brings you back to earth, especially if you're the kind of person with big ambitions. I have the same experience with my wife. She, <laughs> I'll say, look, I want to do this. I want to start this great company. And she's going, now, have you looked at the reality of that? And have you thought about the implications? So, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. yeah. That's, so, that's interesting. So you, so you went through this accelerator program for two years. And then after that, you went straight into, you transferred to Berkeley? That's correct. And, and, and be, now, Berkeley, you just needed two years after the accelerator program. Is that right? So it was like two and two? Yep. Great. And then you have one semester left and you're done at 19. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And you already, and, and you already started into Nero, which is a, um, it's, it's almost like a mint for businesses. It's kind of, is, is that yeah. right? Is that, is that uh, can you describe it to us, Jessica? Yeah. I mean, like that, that's a pretty good way to describe it. It's just a really intuitive and easy way for businesses to keep track of their, their money. Cause if you think about it, um, the idea of starting a business is really intimidating, not because it's hard to build a product so much, but like, what do you do about the money issues and the taxes and and all of that? So we try to make that simple. Yeah. So I, I would, that the mint of businesses sounds like a, 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 a an easy way to to think about it. And so you started that how long ago? How long has this been in the works for you? Um, we built a simple prototype back in March. Um, over the summer, we worked out of um, a VC office just to build a product, uh-huh. and um, we have paying customers, but but we're keeping pretty quiet about it for now since we're still in college. Hey, Jason, um, yeah. can I ask a question just about the functionality of Indonero? Because it sounds sure. like it's something I, I'd like to uh, to use, a service that I'm, I'm desperately in need of, if, <laughs> if it does what I think it does. Basically, do I, mean, do I plug in my bank accounts into, into Nero and it will then take all my expenses and produce all my tax, all the stuff that I need to send to my accountant, basically? Um, I mean, the basic idea is that, yeah, you type in your account credentials for your banking and your credit cards. Uh, we automatically download everything, your balance info, your transactions. We tell you how much you're making, and then we make it so that you could invite your accountant and collaborate with an accountant who will effectively do your taxes from Indonero for you. Okay, so it, d- d- does it also do some kind of clever categorization of expenses? So as it downloads it from the, ba- um, from the bank website, it sort of says, this is for gas. You know, this is- Yeah, this we is- do categorizations automatically for you also. That sounds very cool. Yeah. I mean, so- it's pretty raw right now. We just started building it over the summer and then- yeah. We could only well, build it in waves. But the promise is fantastic. I mean, the, just the idea that I don't have to go through all those receipts and uh, <laughs> count everything out, that's fantastic. So you're competing yeah. essentially uh, uh, with QuickBooks as Mint was competing against Quicken, uh, like QuickBooks Online, right? Yep. And for the same reason that Mint was kicking Quicken's butt, you're going to try and kick QuickBooks butt, which is you're going to be simpler, more powerful, better UI, all these kinds of things. Where they've yep. been kind of resting on their laurels in a, in a way for over the last however however many years. That is the hope. Yeah. Now, how? Okay. Now, I want to backtrack <laughs> a little bit. Okay. So you're you're you jump through high school in two years, and, and you kind of combine high school and college. You're 18, going on 19 in college. You say, Hey, you know what I'm going to do? Not only am I going to be in college 
years ahead of schedule, but I'm going to start a startup now. <laughs> I mean, it's impressive, but what, what, what made you want to do that as opposed to say, well, I'll be graduated a year and I'll, I'll get this thing kickstarted as soon as I graduate. Well, why not? Why did you get rolling so quickly? Well, I mean, I really believe in what, and what silver says about no speed limits and mm-hmm. how, like, why, why do we spend our entire life preparing to do what we want to do or preparing to do something we want to do, which will lead us to being happy when we could just skip to the chase and do it now. Like, like that doesn't make any sense to me why people put too much effort into planning the future when like, it's really right in front of them. Okay. Well, so you're, she's, she's, the, she's oh, the embodiment of the Nike tag or, or motto, which is just do it. Right? <laughs> okay. But listen, what about this? You say, you say, um, skip to the happiness part. Okay. Well, most people, when they retire, what they do is they get a little fishing boat and they live a very simple life and they'll just fish in their retirement in, <laughs> in the sun. So why don't you just skip straight to that? <laughs> Miss well, out the I whole mean, work part. <laughs> well, happiness is different for everyone, right? Yeah. And like you have um, big thinkers and doers and then you have simple people. And I don't think being simple is very, very exciting, to be honest. Yeah, it sounds, that sounds really boring to me, Justin. Really? Just, I, I mean, just relaxing and in the and sitting on a beach? If yeah. I would kill me. I mean, I, when we go on vacation or whatever and I sit around after a couple hours, I'm like, well, okay, now what? I mean, I'm, my brain is, is spinning out. Or I, I have to have a project. I have stuff that I want to think about and problems I want to solve and things I want to build. And <laughs> it sounds like Jessica's like that. She's got stuff she wants to do and things that she wants to make happen. And, and I, think, I think it's a great, um, uh, a great saying. It's something like you, you, find a, you find a happy person, you'll find a project. <laughs> yeah, and that's I, I think in life. I mean, there's sort of this belief of that, like doing nothing is is happiness. But I think doing nothing makes people feel kind of useless and disconnected and bored. And I know my father-in-law, who was a uh, he was an airline pilot, and he's just an inventor, and he does all these things. But I know now he's frustrated. He thinks he, he says retirement sucks. Don't ever do it. He hates it. <laughs> really. So he's he's gets he's involved in these other in these other projects and but he still feels a little isolated and disconnected and i i think there are i think jessica's right there are some people who say who would be fine with just playing golf or fishing all day every day but i think there's a a, a large number of people who need to be creating and building and doing you know Otherwise, what? that's what i've always loved about coding i mean coding is something that we can all do when we're 90 so we can always create cool little ideas and startups for as long as we live. There's, there's never going to be a point where, I mean, until we lose our mind, <laughs> there's never going to be a point when we can't actually do, do something fun. Well, it's like, well, the only thing I say about it, it's like, for me, coding is, is probably like writing is to a writer. You know, a writer doesn't, if they hit one hit book or novel, then they're just going to retire. I mean, no, they, they need to write. They have, it, they have something internal to them that, that drives them to create and, and it just pours out of them. And I think for me, coding is kind of how I express myself. I have ideas, things I want to build. And it's, it's not a matter of like just a means to an end. It's an enjoyment. It's a pleasure. It's, it's, it's an expression of creativity and um, and it's an awesome thing that you can, that like you said, we can all do our whole lives. We can use it to create things and affect the world. And we can do it in such a way that in relative comfort and uh, you can, and, and you can just say, uh, you put it on the, and, and now with the web, you just create stuff, put it on the web and it's like people are using it and interacting with it. It's unbelievable. It's pretty cool. 
So, okay. So, Jessica, let's go back to – let's quiz Jessica a little more on some of her – what she's been doing because this stuff is really – it still amazes me. So you're in college, and you're like, I'm going to create the mint of, of – uh, for businesses. <laughs> why or, why or, that? Where did that come from? Yeah. Wh- how did that idea come about, and who else did you sort of Shanghai into doing this with you? Who else is crazy enough to say, we're going to start up right now. We're not going to wait till we graduate. Well, you have to find a special breed of person – to like to agree to do something that that crazy and almost stupid, but um, like we, I worked on projects before, and managing finances is such a pain. It's like you would think that basic arithmetic is so complicated, right? Yeah. So, um, so that's where that's how it came to fruition, and um, and I basically recruited one of my computer science partners, this, this really smart guy named Andy. He's actually going to be graduated as an 18-year-old, so he's, he's younger than me by a year. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. You're, 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 this, this, you're the senior person in the, uh, in the startup. That's great. Yeah, I'm the old one. <laughs> right. I can imagine walking into your company in like five years' time, and the receptionist is going to be a five-year-old. <laughs> Welcome to De Niro. <laughs> so, so go on. So you, so you get Andy, and and you, you, what do you just? Did you say, hey, I want to do something? You know, do you want to do something together, or do you tell him I have this idea? Are you interested? How how the whole thing get get started? Um, I think we were. The story goes, we were doing our, our discrete mathematics homework one day, and like as we were finishing up. I was talking to him about like cool after school ideas and projects and he showed me stuff he built in the past just for fun. So I thought, whoa, like you actually, someone else at Berkeley does really cool stuff, like just for the sake of doing cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So why don't we work together on making our own project? And he seemed to like the idea and we've been pretty good friends ever since. And so did you get started right away or did, were you playing around with stuff and then it just sort of segued into doing a startup? How did, it, how did it go from let's play around with some stuff to this particular idea? So after that, that day of doing math homework, um, a few days later we had to do more homework. And I think we were trying to procrastinate, so we brainstormed out an idea for, for a website called internshipin.com which mm-hmm. is a site to help students find internships. And so we built that over the course of a few months. And then, and then we're like, all right, cool. Um, that was fun. It didn't make money, but it was kind of a fun project. So right. what next? And then that's when Indonero came along. Now, how did you hit upon that particular idea? Um... So it's actually like it didn't just hit me one day like epiphany. Like mm-hmm. I've been thinking for many months about about the finance space and like what needed to happen. And so I was thinking about like like I was working on putting together my investment portfolio. So I thought, how cool would it be if a site just took in all my personal info and then figured out a good way to like diversify risk and allocate my portfolio for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one idea we passed on. Um, I thought about personal finance because um, I listened to this guy named Dave Ramsey, and he has a really cool podcast. Um, What's the name of the I, podcast? 
um, the Dave Ramsey show. Okay. I think I've heard of that, actually. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, he's pretty Republican, though, so you have to deal with that. Um, right. But but he's all about, like, everyday people fixing their finances, and it's all, like, really obvious stuff, but people screw it up so often. So I thought, why don't we just, like, fix that with software? But Mint was already, like, a pretty big player in the space. And his other callers were, were entrepreneurs. So I thought, well, entrepreneurs usually have, like, even more, like, bigger, non-intuitive questions. Like, that'd be a really right. interesting problem to solve. Um, and then, like, a few other signs, like one from Dave Ramsey. Paul Graham mentioned it on his list of ideas he wants to see. Um, what technology then, like, are you building it in? Um, we have some stuff, like, job on the back end, but we do most of our work with Ruby on Rails. Okay. Before we get into technology, though, Justin, I want to I ask if you uh, actually talk about this a little bit more, because I, I, I want to get deeper into the technology in a minute, but um, you know, one thing you said, you said, you said the idea didn't hit you like a, as an epiphany that you thought about a lot of different possibilities. And I, there's a famous quote by Linus Pauling, who's a, a, a Nobel Prize winner, I think, in, um, I think in chemistry, actually, but it might be physics. And he says, the quote is, the best way to get a good idea is to get a lot of ideas. And I think that is a, a very true. And I think I had, I had read some things. I think there was a study on creativity and they had, um, if you, if you, if you gave students, I think they gave some students like come up with like, you know, one good idea or for like a, you know, a story or, or something like that, or a name of some, you know, imaginary product. And people would come in the next day and they just had nothing or the next class. But they said, all right, you need to come up with 20 ideas, <laughs> right? <laughs> just come up with 20. And so then people came up with lots of good stuff. Because they just they just didn't stress so much about one idea, they came up with lots of different things, and I think that's such an important um, aspect of, of of creativity and thinking. It's just coming up with thinking of lots of different things, throwing anything that comes to your mind, throwing it out there, kind of playing with it, coming up with new things, but just throwing them out there, and not not just thinking, well, I have to come up with the perfect idea. It's just constantly coming up with ideas. And I, one more example, like I, I think it's just kind of funny is. Um, I remember reading an, um, some stuff about uh, shooting a film or shooting video, and um, they, they say that a good way to understand like the quality of like the of the film or the video, if you're going to shoot some, sh you know, say a short film or something, it's almost a ratio of film shot to what's used. So if you look at like a major motion picture, I mean, they have probably thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of shot footage, but we only see like an hour and a half of it. <laughs> but if you go see a home video, they and you know, people just they record everything, and it's just this jerky, discombobulated mess. It's almost impossible to watch. And you know, like I, I think in the last episode I was talking about with Justin how we took our kids to the beach to take a bunch of photos for Christmas, and my wife and I literally probably took a couple hundred photos each, just in order to have something that would work. Because if I just went out there and I said I have one good idea for a picture, I'm just going to take one. It would have probably been a disaster. Probably would have been terrible. But the fact that we took hundreds of photos meaning means that we can play around in uh, a photo editor and and come up with a collage or come up with something that might actually you know look good. And I think all that's the same. It's just try a bunch of different things, throw a bunch of stuff out there, and then you know, and then kind of figure out what you can work with based on all those ideas. Well, um, that that's also really interesting because. 
Um, that's basically telling me that a lot of things that I do, I don't really understand what I'm doing. I just do things that feel right. Um, but I didn't, like, before I started, I didn't think I'm just going to come up with a lot of ideas because um, because they'll help me think of an idea. I just came up with it. I had no idea what I was doing, and and that's just what happened. Right. So your intuition was on the money. Yeah, but, I mean, that's that's also a liability because I don't know entirely what I don't know. Yeah. And if people ask me what made you successful, I'm not going to give them an accurate answer. Well, Jessica, I, I, one thing I would say to say to you about that is that you know you're just being honest. Where most people pretend that they know what's what succeeds or what's going to make them succeed, and you know people have some success and they go around on speaking tours and they want to give everyone else advice on how they made it work. But a lot of people don't really know, and nobody really knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs> you're just being honest about it. You're like, I don't know. You know, I'm following my tuition. I tried some stuff. I, you know, well, not I, just I, honest. I, there's also there's also some luck involved. I mean, if you imagine um, some. Uh, a mouse walking through a maze going from one end to the other end. One mouse could just be really lucky and go straight through, and another mouse may hit a lot of dead ends. And it sounds <laughs> like uh, you're the mouse who's getting who's going, getting lucky. And Well, it's bit, still early, obviously, and her, you know, Indonera is still going on. But the fact that she's trying things and doing stuff, I mean, the sure way to fail is to not try at all, not oh, yeah. do anything, <laughs> which is what most people do. They, 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 they don't even get out of the gate. And, and to wait, the only way you give yourself a shot is by trying something. And if this succeeds, then great. Or if it doesn't succeed, then you try other things. And most likely what will happen is they've got, a, they've got a solid idea. They've got a, a good start on a product. And they'll continue to iterate. And they'll just figure it out, which is the same thing that you're doing with TweetMiner. It's the same thing that, I'm, you know, that I've done and my approaches to things. And I think any, any, if you ask, if you really analyzed all the things that have worked, it's like nobody just wrote up an idea and like, this is a great idea and it just worked. It's, and I, and they, they, they kept trying things. It, whether it was in the context of the initial idea, trying lots of different ideas about that product or was trying lots of different ideas and then hitting upon a simple one that actually played off. Yeah. So at the yeah. macro or micro level. But, so that's awesome. So you, so you, so you, um, you got this partner in crime Andy, and you guys worked on this thing. So how do you end up working in a VC's office to do this? I mean, how does that even happen? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the honest story. I'm not like fluffing it up in any way. Sure. Um, but essentially, um, I think early in the spring semester, I got an email about free sushi. So I didn't, it said like, do you want to like work on your project this summer? And like, win 35k in a vc's office and like i kind of ignored that and i just like went for the free sushi and uh-huh. and it's this event they they just gave out free sushi and and they talked about um lightspeed venture partners giving out grants to student entrepreneurs and the two requirements were that you had to be an engineer and that you had to still be in school okay so I thought, all right, let's just apply for this, see what happens. Um, we got outright rejected our first round, but we fixed up our application. We sent screenshots of our progress, and I had um, I had a lot of people send in recommendations for me, which they didn't ask for, but I'm pretty sure that helped. Yeah. And um, and we got in. 
What what would be your take home lessons from that experience? The way that you got in. Um, I think two things were really important: um, showing progress, and then having outsiders contact them to say how much you want it and how serious you are about the business you're building. Because I think most people they write an application, they send it in, and they just like pray that they get in. And it's this is not like applying to college. You can do above and beyond what vacation tells you, and they will actually listen to that. You've almost developed some kind of uh, rapport and relationship with them by continually sending them updates and progress. Yeah, I mean, they didn't reply to to us at all through the pro- through the process. Um. But just by sending them screenshots, like every two, three weeks, I'm sure they saw it and thought stuff done. And then, and then afterwards, when we got in, I asked them why they let us in, and they confirmed pretty much everything I had suspected. It's very interesting. Yeah. See that. See that. That's that's a very those are very important lessons. It's that they they kept. They, they demonstrated that they were continuing to make progress, that they, they were going to make progress probably regardless of whether they got in this program or not. And they were going to think a little outside the box. They were going to go above and beyond. And those are things that you know, you know, VCs or any investors can be looking for is that they, what, what do they want on entrepreneurs? People who are committed, they're resourceful, they're relentless, they're persistent, they're creative. And, and that's all the kind of things that they're demonstrating. Um, and I think that's probably those are the kind of things that go in. That's what investors want to see. But those are the go. These are those are the elements to what make startups work. I think is just is, is are those characteristics. And yeah, you know, you you demonstrated that. And you're right. A lot of the entrepreneurs would have just kind of sent in, or the aspiring entrepreneurs, I should say, would have sent in some application, and that's it. And you're like, well, you know, do more. That's great. That's a really. It's that's really. Uh, so it's what really, did they? What did they give you? What did you get out of that? Um, we got free office space, we got $35,000, um, and then no equity involved, no strings attached, just, just a check for $35,000. Wow. Hmm. That's Um, amazing. Yeah, that was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty pretty rare. (laughs) How many other, was it, were there other winners or was it just you two? Was it just your one project? No, there, there were seven Seven teams total. Oh, okay, great. And we so that increased the odds pretty pretty good. If you have, you're one of seven. So was it? Were you like in an incubator, um, and with with the other seven teams? And did you then have uh, like a brain pool where you could swap ideas between companies? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much like an incubator, but but everyone's still still in college or like fresh out of college, so slightly different environment everyone's pretty young um i noticed that that um i'd say maybe a third of the people in the group actually finished um high school or college two years young also wow so that that was just a kind of cool observation how long were Uh, you there for sorry mate you may have said this but um just for the summer oh for the summer okay Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so then once once that had finished, um, where where did you go after that? Where are you now? How's it working now? Um, so that was in between our junior and senior year. So the big question is, do we go back to college or not? And, and it's like, 
that that was a really hard decision we had to make. But I called off a few mentors and I talked to a lot of people and and ultimately we decided let's let's finish up college where I mean Andy had just turned eighteen, I just turned nineteen, so so we were pretty young and and now we only have like what less than five months before before we're graduated, so Okay, so just gonna uh, w- one thing that you wrote about uh, recently. Well, actually, hmm, let's see. I have a couple couple things I want to ask. I, I guess uh, the first thing I might ask is, you wrote an article. I think you said you were like thirteen, and you wrote a book. You said, "All right, I'm gonna try and teach myself C plus plus game programming." Right? Is that right? You were thirteen, and and you picked up a book to try and do um, that. Hmm. I think I was. Um, no, I I was like ten or eleven. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> And how did that go? Were you able to learn at that age how to how to program? Um, it was kind of hard, but I started my first programming then. Um, my parents sent me off to computer camp, which which was really helpful because, like, if you're in a room with all these other people who are programming like side by side with you, then then it's like I'd say way easier to learn. Yeah, yeah. So that that was great. Like, I'm I'm really thankful that my parents sent me there. And so, yeah, because C++ is tough to learn, you know, at any age, especially if you're first programming language, and especially at the age of 10 or 11. I mean, there'll probably be some <laughs> argument against whether a 10-year or 11-year-old's brain is even ready to process things at that level. Um, you know, I know, like, I, I mean, I'm not an expert in developmental uh, neuroscience <laughs> or anything, but I, I, I know I've read things where they say, well, things like learning algebra or learning calculus or things like that, you there's, your brain goes through certain developmental stages, and you can have very bright kids, but sometimes it's just the brain isn't quite ready to process it. So, I mean, it's not like I learned recursion when I was in fifth grade. So, right, but still, learning learning you know objects and functions and loops and conditionals and all those kinds of things, especially even having to deal with pointers and memory at uh, ten or eleven. I mean, that's that's, <laughs> that's really cool. So, so that. So you started messing around with C++ and you went to computer camp. And did you keep going? Was it were you messing around programming on the side outside of school? Yeah. Or- um, I mean, I went, I went to computer camp for three, maybe four summers. Uh, hmm. Yeah, and wow. You, four summers. So and what, what, what kind of languages or what kind of things would you learn at a computer camp? It, it was pretty cool in that you get to pick what you want to learn. So, like, you might say, I want to, like, learn what this Perl thing is, or I want to build up my, my C programming skills. So you, like, pick these different tracks, and you pick three tracks per session, and um, you have an instructor, you have, like, a class of, like, ten other people, and, and you just, like, make your own project, essentially, in two-week chunks. Right. So, oh, so like you've been to C programming for a couple of weeks and, and you have like a little mini project to work on for the two weeks and then move on to something else after that? Or was camp only two weeks long? Well, each session was two weeks long. So like in the beginning of the summer, I might, I might start off like doing basic C stuff. And uh-huh. then two weeks later, I would like move into like the advanced track. And then two weeks after that, the expert track and, and like just program on, and like really random stuff. Right. Well, how many different languages did you learn? Um, I mean, not that 
many. Like I, I did C C plus plus. I did some Visual Basic. Um, shame on me. Uh, <laughs> I did some Perl. Um, I did some web programming. Uh, um, within in, in with using what language? Um, I mean, that was like just doing like HTML, CSS, and like a lot of oh. CGI stuff back then, and right uh, CGI and Perl. <laughs> Jessica, I've got a question for you. Um, I see that you you keynoted for the Teens in Tech um, conference in San Francisco back in um, January. Was was that in, around January time? Yeah. Um, so you've you've sort of become quite involved in the whole tech thing, but this is your and the whole teen uh, and tech thing. What I'm interested to know is this is your your last year of being a teen. So <laughs> how do, how do you feel about that? Are you gonna are you gonna sort of stick? with the with the teen identity um or are you going to move in another direction what's your thoughts on that so i i've thought a lot about this actually back when i was 17 uh, a few of my advisors were like you got to stop this teen crap like stop speaking at conferences and stop saying you're teen and and so i've slowly been drifting away from that and i guess the biggest thing the best thing to do is just to like to go out and do stuff because if you do really interesting things then no one really cares how old you are so so that's that's my take on it yeah you, you don't have to make it an issue i mean people will understand you're young and you're doing stuff and that's what's important um but the uh yeah, I'm sorry. Go on, Justin. Well, it's it's the you know the t- the the team thing is is a bit of a ticket. It's a ticket to to getting some press and it's a ticket to getting some interest. But I think that I guess there's a point in everyone's life where they need to say, okay, I'm I'm not going to be part of that. What I'm going to be is I'm just going to be myself and I'm going to be extraordinary. It, essentially, exactly what you're saying there, Jessica. And then just um, moving your life towards just being a fantastic entrepreneur, and it's got nothing to do with age, basically. Well, it's like yeah. if you see the guy who was the guy who who's one of the two people who built um, Firefox. What was the guy's name? He was a he was in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, when it wasn't like, hey, this guy's a teen. It was like it might have been mentioned. Yeah, the guy's only in high school or whatever. But eventually, he moved beyond that. I'm sure he's older than that now, and no one even thinks about it. He's just a really sharp guy who kickstarted a, a, a really big movement with Firefox. And um, yeah, I think that's a I'll tell, you where, I'll tell you why I asked that question is because I just checked out jessicamar.com on compete.com and I was looking at your stats and I noticed this huge spike in January 2009. Um, so you you got 20,000 uniques on compete.com in January 2009 um, versus averaging around 5,000 uniques at the moment. And I just want, went to look at your blog. What happened in January to, to bring in those many uniques? So. Hmm. I'm, I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I blog more often. Maybe um, I don't think Teens and Tech sent me any traffic. Uh, Interesting. Oh, wait. Yeah, I was. I launched internshipin.com in, uh, sometime in November. So a lot of blogs sent me traffic that month. And the next month too. Do you find um, a, a kinship with the Hacker News community? I mean, do you do you actively try and blog with them in mind, or do you just sort of blog just whatever you're thinking? Not really. I I don't like to censor my thoughts. Interesting. Um, yeah, but I really like the Hacker News crowd. I think the articles on it are really smart. I think everyone everyone really gets it. Yeah. 
And yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a great source of information. Um, absolutely. So you know, another interesting question. I think you know we we don't see a ton of female tech entrepreneurs and and tech programmers, but you're both. Um, and, and and you know, in addition to being young, you're female and. And that's a little bit of a rarity, you know, and, and there's always this arguments, well, why is that rare? Is it just as an appeal or is there sexism or is it, you know, close to women or whatever? I mean, what, how did you think about that? I mean, did you, did you, did ever even occur to you like, Hey, you know, it's not a lot of females are doing this or did you, or did it occur to you and just like, I don't really care. It doesn't, I like it. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Well, actually this week I was, uh, I was hanging out with a few computer scientists at Berkeley and and I brought the question, like, why aren't there any chicks here? So mm-hmm. I went around and I started asking asking any female computer scientist, what toys did you play with when you were young? Mm-hmm. And, and were Barbies involved at any point in your life? And almost all of them said, I didn't play with Barbies. And Legos were my favorite toy. Mm. <laughs> so that's my observation of the week. Well, actually, uh, that's something very that, interesting. Something that that's... I thought found quite interesting about that uh, this discussion in, in hand is that um, Sarah Chips, who runs a blog, GirlDeveloper.com, was musing musing this this same thought, uh, and she's got a blog post called "Shut Up and Build Something." And essentially, the, <laughs> the, the the theory that she comes up with is that there is no people. There's very few people like Jessica Ma out there. Very few people who are who are motivational, successful, and acting as that motivation for women to go, yeah, I'm going to get into this. You see what hmm. I'm saying? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question. Okay, so what she's saying is there's no role models. Exactly. And yeah. But the question is, were, Jessica, did you have role models or did you not need role model, a role model? Did it even matter? And it doesn't sound uh, like it doesn't sound like you were looking at role models. You just said, hey, this is stuff that I'm interested in. I'm going to do it. Well, I did have a few role models. I think the biggest role model, like as cheesy as it sounds, is probably my mom mm-hmm. because she is a female and she is an entrepreneur and and she's also a builder. She's not just a business person. So if she wasn't doing business stuff, I'm not sure how interested I would be. Right. So when you say a, a builder, you mean that she's a she's an entrepreneur. She's a builder of of, of a business. Well, that, I mean, she's like, like in fashion, so she she doesn't just like invest money and do the business stuff. Like right. she actually makes the product. So she's the creative as well as the business um, driver. She, she does both. Right. Yeah. And That's like really she taught me that, like if you're going to start a business, you need to be both and. Well, just for the listeners at home, if you're if you're interested in in hearing about uh, a female role model who really is worth uh, hearing about and listening to, check out Texting Fifteen, where we interviewed Corinne Yu. Uh, she's basically um, lead developer for Xbox Halo, and uh, she's a very that's interesting person. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's you know, I it's it's funny because now that I have two daughters and they're very young, right, and like three and two, but y- you know, you start thinking about this stuff more. It's like, well. You know how do you not close off opportunities for them? And you don't want to. You don't want to sort of by the way you're treating them or the way that you're um, the things that you say to them that you're sort of putting them in a box somehow. And uh, so that's why 
you know, I'm particularly interested in, in sort of how you went down this path. It's not, not that I necessarily want them to become, you know, computer programmers or entrepreneurs just because that's what I like. But it's like I don't want them to say, well, you know, you have to be doing these other things because that's what other girls do. And um, was there anything well, that your I parents mean, did or didn't do that you felt like kept things open for you? I think you need to be really careful about about unintended or like subconscious like gender conditioning mm -hmm. because you're you're probably more likely to like encourage your daughter to do stuff like play with Barbies or like do humanities or like pick up art or like like stuff that society generally thinks is female without you realizing it. Right. And I think that's the biggest worry I mean, I don't know why I worry about that, like why that's my concern, but but it is. And I think that my mom didn't really have that bias because she's like a builder, a maker, and an entrepreneur, and my dad's an engineer. So he just like gave me science kits and, and Legos for for because he thought they were educational. And he thought pretty much every other toy was just a waste of time and productivity. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Legos. My son is, my my daughters are still a little young. My five year old son is building stuff constantly, and I love it. And I'm constantly, you know, I, I'm always happy when I see him spending time building stuff. It's it's not just solving problems, but expressing creativity. Legos are one of the best things for that, I think. Yeah. So that is an interesting observation you made about you know talking to these compu female computer scientists, and they all played with Legos as opposed to Barbies. It's interesting sort of uh, correlation there. Um, did they say anything more about that? That was something that the parents pushed or did anything about the conditioning or is there any other information about related to that, that you sort of uncovered? I haven't. Um, I mean, besides the Lego ordeal, not, not really. Um, that's really, oh, wait, but that's really interesting. Yeah. My only worry about all of this is it seems like it's an either or, I mean, why couldn't you be someone who plays with Barbies and really enjoys it and then end up being a fantastic developer? Um, I'm sure I mean, those people can. must it's exist. That, you know? Well, that's just like less likely. Like if you're, if you're really into building stuff when you're young, then it's, it's more likely to carry on. Right. But another thing I noticed was that among the female computer scientists here, a lot of them say that one, like either their mom or their dad is an engineer an engineer too, like just for work. Right. So interesting. So there's, 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 there's some sort of, there might be some sort of genetic component that they're, 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 they're sort of born builders in, in some sense. There could be, I mean, there always could be a conditioning thing there too. Like your yeah. dad buys science kids, but there also could be just genetic. It's like if you tall parents, if your parents are tall, it's likely you're going to be tall. You know, if you're, if your parents are really smart, eh, it's probably increased the chance that you're going to be right. I think conditioning <laughs> conditioning sounds more likely because mom and dad are going to be talking about, you know, engineering, and you're going to want to connect with your mom and dad. You're going to want to join in with them. So you're going to make a point of finding interesting what they find interesting and wanting to uncover it and be part of it. I don't know about that, you know, because my, you know, the things that my parents like that I, you know, I can stand. I didn't care about what my parents liked. I mean, I obviously can't speak for everybody, but but what you're you talking know. about a younger age. I mean, play at that age. Most of our play is to mimic our parents. I mean, that's what do you think? Work, you know, working with a play tool set is, or working with a Barbie is. I mean, essentially, you're just playing what you experience in the adult world. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, I kind of 
like I I wanted to play with stupid toys more often. I wanted to play video games. I wanted to to like like do more Barbie stuff, but but my dad was really insistent that it was just really bad for me. Well, now you're 19, huh. you can get some Barbies and you can play and no one can stop you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I, I think I, I think I'm now I'm going to have to lay down the law with, uh, you know, Izzy and Ari and make them start playing with uh, Legos. <laughs> like, Legos for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, well OK, I mean, yeah. go on. Sorry. Yeah, well, how I got into it was that someone gave it to me as a birthday gift. And then I thought, whoa, this stuff's really cool. I wish I had more of this. So my dad's like, all right, gladly. <laughs> right. He kind of ran, ran with it. He's a bit with the grain. How old were you about that time? Do you remember? I was kindergarten age. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you have any sort of uh, anyone else that you were doing this stuff with when you were a you know, kid? I mean, you went to computer camp during the summers, I imagine. But during the school year, did you have anyone else that you would share these interests with? Or was this just something that was just sort of your own thing that nobody really knew about? I dragged my little brother into this. It's uh, <laughs> great. Yeah, so I mean, he's he's a coder. He's in high school, going to college next year. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Jessica, it's becoming more and more evident to me that Jason is using this show to understand how you turned out the way you did, so that he can bring his kids up that exact same way. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Um, no, it's just, it's very, it's just, I find it from a, I find it interesting from so many different perspectives. But, you know, okay, I, I, I don't, I don't want to just dwell on that the whole time, too. I'd like to talk about in, in De Niro as well, um, because I, that's another whole other topic that's interesting. And one of the blog posts you write about how you are not, you're purposely not going to follow the freemium model that you're only going to charge. There's no free accounts. And, um, that's a very reasonable argument, and so I'm, I'm and, and, but I, I imagine that's also against the grain of what you hear say on Hacker News. Um, what's your, what do, I'd like to hear a little more of your thoughts on that, and find, and if you have any results on how that's working out. Yeah, well, well, I think a lot about like this master plan, like how how are you going to strategize getting through um, like graduating college and then working on on Indonero full time, like. What's the best entry point, and then how do we execute? And and I don't think that a freemium model, like fresh out of the gate, is a really smart approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't for for several reasons. The f- first being that when you're free, um, it's much it's much it's much harder to trust. Well, yeah, it's much more difficult to see how much people actually feel a need for your product. They might just right. sign up because they saw your blog and want to know what you're up to versus I actually need to use your product. And if, if you have to put in your credit card number, you're pretty serious about wanting to try it out. Um, so that's the first one. And the second one was that we actually just needed to make money. And I didn't feel like a freemium approach was good if we didn't have enough time to really figure out the like all the quirks with doing so and, and everything that needed to be done. So it's just easier to not offer a freemium model, actually. I think do you think down- that affects you? Okay, go on, Justin. Go on. I think a downside of that is that you're going to have less throughput 
into your site so you can have less visitors, especially at that that early stage when you've just launched it. I mean, something that I found tremendously useful with TweetMiner is to have the freemium aspect. So I'll always have a free level. Um, now, I think the difference between me and you is is that it costs you something to give people that, to give people your service, uh, whereas it doesn't cost me very much because... At the moment, everything's very low bandwidth and really my costs are just $100 a month. But what it does do is it brings a lot of um, users onto the site. So it highlights the bugs and helps me get a lot of user feedback and make the journeys better. And I'm just wondering, do you get, can you get those benefits with without the freemium? I mean, I, I, I don't think that, that I will have those benefits that you have if, if I only charge my customers because um, I also get a different demographic by doing so. So the master plan is to open it up to some sort of freemium model um, after we graduate. But until then, we were, we're still just cranking away on our core product. I think that's actually looking at looking at uh, Jessica's core constraints, right? Limited time at this point. Um, uh, it's it's a bare uh, a core product that they're just trying to get working or functional in a variety of areas. And the fact that it's important. I mean, this is money. This is not like you know something that can screw up. So they got to make sure it works. And if they have and if they all of a sudden have we're, we're crushed in a deluge of, of free free users who were making a bunch of noise and having a bunch of problems and they couldn't spend the time fixing the stuff for the paying customers, they might have a real problem. So it's that actually makes a lot even more sense when you talk about your constraints. Well it's funny you should say that the fact that it's money and that it's something that shouldn't be screwed up is to me the reason why you shouldn't charge is <laughs> the reason why it should be completely free. But I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that you. Well, no, that, but then how are you going to make any money? You get you you, char- you give people stuff free. I'm not saying I'm not saying that you 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 stay free forever. I'm just saying, in that phase where you move from non-existence to beginning to exist, you basically have a beta group. You, and you get some people interested and you sort of fly under the wire and you get lots of people to use the system, work out the bugs. So that when you start paying, when you start getting the, the, the paying customers come in, you have less of these scenarios where you do something that doesn't work. Jessica, just so you know, just I'm on your side. I think Justin's completely wrong. <laughs> I think he's completely wrong because, you know, it doesn't matter what free people want. She's, w- one thing that she pointed out, which she's absolutely right about, is that people who don't pay and people who pay are two different people, are two different uh, demographics. And it doesn't really matter what the free people want or don't want. If you're not going to pay, if you're not putting your credit card, it doesn't really matter. And all they need to do is focus on getting those things right. There's, there's, there's a couple of aspects. So you're talking about driving the product and, and you know, saying where the product's going to go and what the features should be. I'm not necessarily talking about that. What I'm talking about is the testing of the product, getting use, you know, having a thousand people test it um, and try it so that you can see where it breaks, so you can look at the error logs, so that you can get it robust, so that the, at the point where you turn it into a paid product which is always your which has always been your plan you know and you're going to remove any kind of free services it's a very robust system i think is is really well i mean i imagine you went through some kind of uh, private beta right which i mean is that true well we're still um i mean by charging you're effectively creating a private beta right okay um but but there are two things that came to mind one if we charge then if people pay for it, then we know that they approve of the product. Whereas if they have a free account, then their expectations are much lower. And I didn't want that. And then the more important aspect was even if we wanted to have a free plan, 
we couldn't have a free plan because I don't have the capital to afford the the data automation costs. Yeah, that to me seems like the main the main thing going on there. But I also see that you have a 30-day free trial. Is that correct? Yeah, but we asked for the credit card up front. But even, I mean, the, the, the simple fact is people can use it for free for 30 days and try it out and then they'll get they'll get refunded or or it, their credit card won't get dinged so you yeah we won't charge them so in essence you have you have like a semi-free s- scenario and i do agree i mean i've i've always advocated uh, for paid services to do that 30-day free trial thing like you do because once you've got the credit card numbers i mean it you know most people will forget <laughs> and at least you'll get the first month's payment kind of thing but yeah yeah, but, yeah, but yeah the but idea the is to go is- into free jason Oh well, yeah. I, I I think also it's like it's 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 just uh, when you have people paying, and if things screw up, they can always give them their money back, right? If someone has a ton of problems, it's not like you can't refund them some money, if, refund their payment if it's a problem. But it forces them to be really serious about their support. Okay, which but if, okay, uh, maybe this is. I don't want to say something that's really going to cause any problems, but let's say, huh. let, given given this company, so people are basing business decisions off this data in in theory yeah so it, it really is something that you can't screw up because someone might turn around and spend a thousand dollars somewhere else based on this data mm-hmm. so that's that's what i'm saying jason it's not just a question of oh I'll, we'll give you your money back because they're not going to give you the thousand dollars back as it were <laughs> <laughs> and, and i don't i mean of course that's not going to happen with your service <laughs> but uh, yeah i mean like we're like we had a like an an entirely free product for I'd say I'd say one month before we started charging. And then after that, um yeah, like Are you still there, Jason? Okay. Yeah, I'm here. Oh sorry. Okay. Um I, I think so you- the main thinking was that we just can't afford to have a free model. So yeah. if we can't afford to have it, then we might as well well, we have to charge. Like, yeah, there's no other way. Makes sense. No, I, I think that makes perfect sense. So, um, are there are, now? It's, is it you and Andy, and are, is there anyone else involved now, or is it just the two of you? Yeah, um, we have a few students working part time during the year. Okay. Um, we have one engineer who's a computer scientist at Berkeley. Um, another female engineer, like astonishing. <laughs> And uh, and we'll probably end up extending her a full-time offer this week. Oh, great. Yeah. So you have a few people involved. Now, do you have any investors, or are you still just this is the 35000 investment from, or uh, a, I guess grant or scholarship money <laughs> from the, uh, the VC incubator program? Yeah, I mean, we had that money. We got, uh, we got some money from uh, UC Berkeley actually gave us some grant money. Wow. Uh, so that was really generous of them. So you still own Again, the hundred percent of the equity, is essentially. Yeah. Uh, can I come in for a hundred dollars? Yeah, probably I mean, need to step up in the plate. Probably need to step up a little more than that, Justin. I want to be part of this. I wish you'd do. I wish you'd do like a share release, like Google did, where we could just go <laughs> online and buy a couple of shares in your company. Oh, one day. Um. Yeah, it's just like we own all of our equity right now. We don't intend to fundraise until we really think we have our stuff together. And 
And like, like for like, I wrote a post about raising money, and I think that for some reason, most people just want to go up to random investors and pitch them. And I feel like that's that's like it's like asking someone to marry you on your first date. Like you don't know them and yeah. they don't know you. Like why does that make any intuitive sense at all? Yeah, you're it, absolutely it right. It doesn't. So why don't you build up a relationship over the course of one or two years and before you really jump into that? One thing you guys really have going for you, I think, I mean, you, you, you already have a product working. You already have paying customers. That right there is huge without taking investment. You've already gotten to a paying customers and a working product. Huge. Now, the next thing that you really have going for you is that you're all students. You're used to living off little to no money. So if, you get in, if you're getting close, and let's say you graduate in the summer or the end of spring, and you're like, okay – yeah, we're three to six months away from maybe hitting, you know, operating in the black or whatever. I mean, you live at home for a little while, you know, or you, or you, or you take a, you know, you have a, a part time, do some consulting work I mean, because you don't need a lot to live. I mean, when I was in college, I mean, I lived off almost nothing and you don't have, you know, mortgages and kids and cars and wives and husbands and all these things <laughs> that cost yeah. money that make it difficult to bootstrap. But because you guys are so young and you can keep your expenses so low, I mean, you know, you could share an apartment together, three or four, uh, you know, you, it, you know, you're, you, you know, right by, you know, Berkeley campus or something and you're living off nothing. And that might be all you need, you know, is just some time. It's like living like grad students. Maybe you need a year um, of living off almost nothing. And then you're in the black and then you're in a driver's seat. So when you do, if you, if you do decide to get investment, which you may not even never have to do, then you'll really be in the driver's seat and can and demand really good terms. I would think. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the idea. <laughs> I think that you've um, didn't mention one of the main advantages that sh that they have going on, which is the resource pool and the team and the fact that you can build your team there and find people. Like that is so fantastic, and very few people are in that situation where they can actually build the kind of team that you're building as quickly as you're building it. Yeah, like being being in the CS department at Berkeley is pretty convenient for recruiting i must say <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah because you know who the good you know who the good people are right i mean they're in your class you know who's at the top of the class and who's really good for <laughs> stuff, and, right and who's not really dependable so it's, as everyone's yeah. in the class and they're 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 turning turning in their papers they know that essentially their job with you sort of lives or dies on what their what their grade is <laughs> yeah i mean like how how well the computer scientists here like perform like like how good they are what their reputation is working on projects like completely affects their ability to get a job because um like a i want to hire them and b like i like i'm the president of the computer science undergrad association here so <laughs> i i think our job is to help everyone find a job yeah and if you're good, then like we'll help you out. So that's that's yeah, that's great. Well, J Justin, I think we have we think we're about to wrap the show. I think J Jessica needs to uh, uh, she she thinks she needs to get out of there, get out of here. So uh, we we're probably over an hour anyway, aren't we? Yeah, Jessica's got places to be and people to see. Yeah, she's actually got <laughs> stuff to do. So well, Jessica, it was a real pleasure having you on the show. Absolutely, and yeah, thanks a, a lot. Um, I think it'll. 
provide really good example for a lot of people. And um, so it's an inspirational story. It just shows you just do it. Don't make excuses. Don't spend a lot of time planning. Just if you want to do something, go do it. Do it well. And you're, 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 you're yeah, you're doing a great job. So it's going to be exciting to watch uh, in De Niro. And, uh, you know, like, like Justin might be one of your early customers. <laughs> Yeah, con- I mean, congratulations, and I w- I would love to be a customer, especially if it lives up to that promise of meaning that I don't have to do any of my own accounts. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Yeah, um, and then one more thing to throw in: if um, if anyone like just wants to chat about startups or building stuff or wants like inspiration or help, just just feel free to email me, Jessica Ma at jessicama.com. Yep, that sounds great. You heard it here. Yeah. All right. Email Jessica. Yep. (laughs) All right. That's a wrap. We're out.